country. But what we're really focusing in here is out of the twist. And the mystery that is talked about here is the mystery of the gospel. And it's been a whole overarching thing that we've heard about in Ephesians is the gospel. And something that Paul, the writer of Ephesians, talks about is this twist. Something that you don't see coming. Something that you don't really understand fully. But it kind of, it feels like it comes out of nowhere. And this mystery is something that we are still in the midst of, that we are still kind of seeing unravel, but Paul brings it to light. And so we're going to go through all of Ephesians 3 today, and it's a lot. So I'm not going to read all of the verses, but we're going to kind of break it down in chunks, and we'll read through some of those chunks and to start to understand a little bit about this mystery that Paul is talking about. And so we're going to start with the beginning, right at the beginning of chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, all right? So we're going to go through this, and then we're going to kind of break down what Paul is seeing. So take a look at this on the screen. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you, Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. It's a lot. Typically, when we're here, we usually do six, maybe 12 verses. Today, we're doing 21. And so that's a lot. But to kind of break it down, I want to clarify some terms. And Isaac clarified this first term last week, and I want to hit it on it again because it's important not only to last week's talk, but to this one as well. It's the term Gentile, all right? The term Gentile. The short answer, the short definition for that is it's somebody that isn't Jewish. Somebody that isn't Jewish. Now, kind of the better answer is that it is somebody that is not from Israel, that's what they're talking about at the time. They are not from God's chosen people. And so if you're sitting in this room, unless you grew up Jewish or you were born, like you were born in a Jewish home, you, we are probably mostly Gentiles in this room. So that means, that should key us in that when we see this, that this is going to be specific for us, that this is for us. And the other thing I want us to make sure that we understand is the word mystery, the word mystery here, the word mystery is actually, we get our English word from the Greek word, and it literally just means to not yet understand something, or to not know something. And the way that Paul uses it here, it's more in the understanding sense. It's more in the understanding sense. And what, you, what we have to understand before that is, in the Old Testament, God's chosen people was Israel. If you were not of Israel or if you were not specifically brought in by God, then you were not part of God's chosen people. And if you were part of Israel, you had to do all the animal sacrifices, and you had to do like, you had to make sure to hold to all the laws, and you had to hold to all these certain things. But that was for Israel. And what Paul is saying here is something that is completely wild, is that the gospel makes it so that Israel isn't God's cho chosen people. God's chosen people are the people that have faith in him, the people that follow him, meaning that Gentiles, that's us in this room, have a chance to receive the gospel. 
And so you're probably sitting there thinking like, all right, yeah, I, I have heard this before. I've heard this. But that's the thing. We know it, but when Paul was writing this, this was a big deal. Because everybody at that time, all they were thinking was, I have to be part of Israel. I have to be, part of, I have to be Jewish if I want to be with God. But that's not the case. Not anymore, not because of Christ's work. What, what, kind, of, what kind of food does Taco Bell serve? Tacos. tacos. Soft tacos. Get out, did you say Asian food? Get out of here, Cole. If they, they sell, like, tacos, Mexican food, you know, Tex-Mex. But what if the CEO came out one day and they're like, tomorrow we're serving hamburgers. We're serving sweet and sour chicken. You know? We're serving kebabs. What if, what if they, you ordered your taco and they brought it out on a Subway sandwich, you know? It'd be, stop. All you, all you Subway people in here. Yeah, you're right, touche. <laughs> but it would be weird, right? It doesn't make sense. You don't go to Taco Bell and order a burger. It's not called Burger Bell. That, is, that, that is, does work, though. But bur- it's not called that, right? I give this comparison because... It, that is what people were thinking at the time is that it doesn't make sense. God has told us over and over again that the gospel, that the salvation is for God's chosen people. And that hasn't changed. But what has changed is who God's chosen people are. That is the mystery of the gospel. That is the twist. That it's no longer for just Israel. But all of a sudden, Christ came and twisted it on its head and now it's for anybody that has faith in God. That is the mystery of the gospel. That is what Paul is talking about when he says mystery. That we cannot understand how God is just letting people in, how he can do that, when he has put all these other laws in place. And in reality, that does seem confusing, right? Like it makes God feel inconsistent. It makes him feel like he is not holding to what he said. And so that's why the passage, it doesn't stop there, all right? It doesn't stop there. So we are going to continue into the next part of the passage, and we're starting in verse 7 here. So take a look at the screens. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gifts of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power to me, though I am the very least of all the saints. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you, to, I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. That's a lot. That's a lot. I understand that. But before we kind of dig into that, let's review what we know about Paul. Because that's going to help us to read and to better understand this text. So Paul, before he was an apostle, what he did on the day-to-day was he would go and he would kill Christians. Like, that's what he did. He would persecute them for what they believed and was saying, what you believe is not right. It's heretical. It's wrong. I'm going to kill you because you are spreading false teachings. 
And then there's a whole story where he gets like thrown to the ground and God says, I am God, this is my truth. He does, there's this whole thing that happens and God calls him to be an apostle. God changes his heart in that instance. That is wild. Think about that. Somebody that is literally going to murder people becomes the people that he is murdering. God changes his heart in an instant. And that's huge. Because that, that in and of itself is a mystery. Paul says it earlier in this passage. He talks about, I am the least of these saints. I don't deserve this, yet God still chooses me. God still gives me an opportunity at life. And darn it, he's going to take it. He asks these questions because it is a mystery. He doesn't understand. But Paul starts to reveal some of those clues that we talked about a little bit earlier. He reminds us that God is the light that everybody is searching for. That this is the God that created all things. That this is the God that is of manifold wisdom. That is of immense wisdom. He has the wisdom to use people as he sees fit. When I was growing up, when I was in high school, when I was in middle school, I loved to challenge my dad's authority, like, all the time. Like, my dad would be like, hey, you got to go save money. Go cut the grass. You got to clean your room. Uh, towards the end of my time in high school, you got to go get a job. And I was like, dad, uh, why? And I guarantee you there are some people in this room that do that same thing, whether you want to admit it or not. And I would always push back all the time. And what my dad would always say when I said why was because I know what's best for you. That's what he'd say, because I know what's best for you. And at that time, I thought he was full of crap. But I'm 25 years old now, and I have started to learn. Saving money is not a bad thing. Granted, I'm not great at it. Sydney can attest to that. But saving money is not a bad thing. Taking care of our house, not a bad thing. Still, not very good at it, but I'm learning, you know? I'm learning responsibility. I'm learning what it looks like to be an adult. And at that time, I didn't understand why my dad was telling me all that. I thought he was just trying to ruin my fun and take away more time that I could be playing Xbox. But in reality, he was trying to build me up and teach me. And that's what's happening here. That is what God is doing for Paul. He might not tell Paul immediately why he is doing what he's doing. He not, might not tell Paul exactly what he's doing. But God is infinitely wise. God is infinitely wise, and that makes this the mystery of the missionary. And the mystery of the missionary. Because in this room, if you are a Christian in this room, your call is to go tell others about the gospel. The call, that is what we are called to do. Literally, whether it's right down the street or it's across the, or across the planet, you are called to go tell others about the gospel. But oftentimes, what we ask ourselves is why. Why should I do that? I don't know why God's using me. And there's probably some of you in this room that are, think, that are struggling with shame and guilt, and you are telling yourself, I don't deserve to do that. Because that's what Paul is saying. And you might not see it right now. You might not see what, how, why God is going to use you. But in the future, 
you might be that person that has a gay friend that you go and talk to them and you are the light for them because they've been burned by the church. Or you might be the person that ends up being the bigger man in, the, in a fight and says, I'm willing to forgive you, I'm willing to take the hit. You might be the person that ends up going to Asia to do missions. Because I'm going to tell you right now, Paul didn't expect he was going to do that, but that's what he ended up doing for the rest of his life. Paul was a murderer, and now he's an apostle. You could be in this room and think that you are the worst sinner, that it is unforgivable, and I'm going to tell you two things real quick. One, God has forgiven that sin, and two, even if you think you are the worst sinner, it does not mean that God is going to, it can't use you. He's forgiven that sin, and he wants you to go tell others about the gospel. Hear me when I say that, that God can and will use you. And so we've heard about two mysteries here. We've heard about the mystery of the gospel. We heard a little bit about the twist that God has had and and the mystery of the missionary, which we might not have all the answers for yet. And so this last part of this passage is a call to action. It's a call for us to do something. And so let's take a look at it. We're going to finish out the uh, chapter 3, so follow along with me. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So the way that this passage ends is in a prayer. Is Paul praying, and he is going, he is going before God and saying, Help us to know, help us to grow, and work in our lives. And before we kind of get into the specifics of that, we have to come to this with the attitude that Paul had, that we are not worthy, that we need the gospel. We need the grace of God. And we can't, there's nothing that we could do about it. And that's all stuff we've talked about in previous weeks. But if we don't come to this call to action before that, then we might not actually do the action well. And so, there are a few reminders for believers in this passage that I want us to hit on. There are a few reminders for believers. And that first reminder is that the Holy Spirit is with us. When you go out, when you talk to people, when you engage with the rest of the world, you are never alone. You're never left behind. When you are struggling to have that conversation with a friend, when they're asking particularly hard questions, don't think that you are at it alone. When you are going, when you're trying to just engage with other believers, you are not alone. And part of the benefit of having the Holy Spirit with us is that he often rallies other believers around us to support us, to help us grow. 
And that means we're not alone. So remember that, that you are not alone, that God is working through you because he is the only one that can change hearts. The second thing is that we are called to learn. We're called to learn. And what, that, what I mean by that is we have been saved by grace, that our foundation is from grace, and that is good, and that is what we've talked about for the past, like, five weeks. And honestly, we could talk about it for five weeks more. But that is, what, that is where we are grounded. That's where we're rooted. But it shouldn't stop there. It shouldn't stop there. But you should continue to grow in breadth and height and depth and continuing growing in knowledge. Because here's a hint. Here's something that a lot of people don't learn about later in life until they actually start learning for themselves is that you grow, when you grow, when you learn more, about God, you desire to learn more about God. And there's wisdom in that. I didn't learn that until I got to college. I wish I would have known it earlier. I wish I would have called to that earlier. And when I come up here, when Isaac comes up here, when Caleb comes up here, when Johnny comes up here starting in a few weeks, that we don't just come up here because we have nothing better to do. We come up here because we desire to see you guys grow. We're not here just to, you know, waste time or like to, to fill in a gap that we have here at Gather. But honestly, if you talk to any of us, this is the most important part of the night right next to worship. Like this is, we spend a lot of time thinking through this because we want you guys to grow. We want you guys to become better. And the last thing is a call to give God our trust. to give God our trust. The mystery hasn't been totally revealed yet. We still have things. We're still going to have questions. We're still going to try to learn what it looks like. And oftentimes we want solid answers to that, those questions. And so when we, come, when, when we come to these questions, like Paul is asking, why is God just letting more people in? I do have an answer for that. It's because of his infinite love. Why is God using this guy that was a murderer, that murdered his people, to become one of the biggest contributors to our Bible? I can give you an answer for that. It's because of his infinite love. Why has God put you in the life of that friend that is gay? or that is struggling with gay attraction, or that is, wants to figure that out, that wants to talk about that, why has God put you in their life? Because of his infinite love. Why has God put you in this room? Why has God called you to go out and tell others about the gospel? Because of his infinite love. And for some of us, that is not a satisfactory answer. But what I'm telling you right now is that one, that's the best answer we're going to get. And two, that is the best answer. That God infinitely loves us in a way that we could never understand. And we could try. And that's what it looks like to desire to learn and grow. And we could try. But out of his infinite love, he has given us grace. And out of his infinite love, he's called us to show others grace. 